0: Some of you know, and we talked about it a little bit last week, but I I grew up in a small town in upstate South Carolina. One one of the differences in where I grew up and when I grew up and where I live now is in, in my town, we knew people who, for the fact that they didn't go to church, and in our town here, people are known as the ones who do go to church. Right? It, it it was a different world. You've you've heard of those people who were at church every time the doors were opened. Uh my family was the one that opened the doors. So we we were in church all the time. We love church and I still love church. Of course, there are some things that are different today from it was from the way it was then. People dress differently to come to church, I'm sure you've noticed. We, we used to have Sunday night preaching. That's where you went back to church on Sunday night, if you can imagine, and heard another talk. And then there, the, the music was different. And I think most noteworthy is the talk was different. One of the consistent talking points in those days was what happened... After your life on earth ended. Do you you remember this? I, I remember specifically people talking about, as if it was normal, Jesus coming back soon. I remember people speaking about being ready to go home. They were talking about to get to heaven. Some even dared say they were longing for heaven. There was, and by the way, we don't hear that kind of talk anymore, do we? There was a palpable sense of anticipation as people thought about, talked a lot about, and even sang about the afterlife. I remember one song that we we sang with gusto, and I love, and I told the, Kids, we're going to do it next week. All right. So, our, victory in Jesus. Do you, do you know how the third verse of that song goes? It says, "I heard about a mansion you have built for me in glory, and I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, and about the angels singing and the old redemption story, and some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory." We we it used to be part of the ethos of the body of Christ to talk about and anticipate getting to heaven. It was a huge talking point for Christians and the truth be told, even for non-Christians. Now, there there may be talk about hell today, but there's little celebration about heaven. What... What happened? I mean, I'm not that old. I'm just talking about 25 years ago. What happened? I think two things happened. First, the way people envision heaven didn't really seem that appealing. It, It really didn't. Think about the the image, one of the images was of floating on clouds in a lounge chair reading a magazine. Do you, you remember that? You can picture that, right? That's kind of a Hollywood image. But that doesn't sound appealing when you put it against Disney World. How good would that magazine have to be to hold your attention for eternity, right? A more serious image that people talked about was of a worship service where we sing to God for all of eternity. But what if you don't like the music that's being played? Or, heaven forbid, what if it's too loud, right? Most people, let's just be honest, most people are ready to go after about an hour of church. That's about what we get now. So the idea that we would be in church for all of eternity, it, it just lacks appeal for the average person. And then a the third picture of heaven was, was really one that was centered on pleasure-seeking, or it was for pleasure-seekers. If, if you love golf or fishing or rock climbing, then that's what you get to do if you make it to heaven, and you get to do it forever. And, and we love and enjoy our favorite pastimes, absolutely. But we would all acknowledge that part of the pleasure is ensured by looking forward to it, not doing it all the time. And so there was just something not quite right. It, did, it didn't really make sense. And so... The popular conceptions of heaven that day, or or rather let me say the popular misconceptions about what heaven was going to be like, leave something to be desired. And so eventually people just kind of dropped it as they turned their attention to getting the most out of life here and now, where most people perceive we will have more fun than we would in that kind of heaven. Which, by the way, brings us to the second reason, uh, a, the reason with more gravitas, that thoughts of afterlife have faded. And that is because progressivism has c- Co-opted, the idea of progressivism has been co-opted by secular humanists and now has become the predominant perspective in the Western world. Now I'm going to unpack that for you for a moment. Originally, progressivism was an exclusively Christian concept. Okay, the idea that uh, the kingdom of God is coming. We are moving, God is moving throughout history. The kingdom of God was coming, and the coming kingdom of God helped keep hope alive for people. No matter your lot in life, if you were rich, poor, infirmed, or enslaved, the believer's eventual life of joy and bliss in heaven always kept hope alive. So the only way to escape. Heaven was the guarantee that the best is yet to come but that concept of progressivism progress was secularized now secular humanism teaches that we can dig ourselves out of trouble we can do it with science Capitalism and technology, we humans believe that we have the answers to our problems within our grasp. No longer is God needed to fix what's broken. We can do it. Do we need something? We'll invent it. We can handle it. The end result is that people are no longer pining for the bliss of heaven. Because we believe the best is yet to come soon. Right here. Maybe next month. Maybe with that new job. Maybe with my next purchase. See, when secularism co-opted progressiveness, we believed that we could work for and establish utopia here on earth. And when we anticipate our hope being manifest around us, who needs heaven? So it just fades to the back. Robert Nisbet, in his book, The History of the Idea of Progress, made this observation. He said, So deeply is this idea of human progress etched in our thinking, modern-day thinking, that it is embodied in the vocabulary that describes good trends as progressive, bad ones as regressive or backwards, and some thinkers as ahead of their time. See, we've we brought all progress into this realm, And the bottom line is that belief in human progress, because of our belief in human progress, we have virtually eliminated the hope of heaven as a solution to what ails us. Heaven is no longer what we picture when we think the best is yet to come. Now, let's just be honest. The truth is, our lives are immeasurably better than our forebears in almost every conceivable category. Can you imagine living in Tampa Bay without air conditioning? Not many people did, truth be told. Every category, comfort, travel, access to information, education, health care, and wealth, We've made great progress. So I understand. But we know that's not everything, don't we? Secular progress may actually be a straw man. Because while things are better, things are better, we aren't. Pay attention. While things are better, we aren't. Depression and suicide are rising at alarming rates as people face the fact that something is missing and that they've misplaced their hope. And then there's COVID. Did you know that approximately, and this, I'm, I'm not going political here, I'm just telling you what my research revealed. Approximately 2.9 million people have died of COVID worldwide in the past year. 2.9 million. That fact alone reminds us that no matter how much progress we make, no matter how effective we are in extending life, there is one statistic that we have never and will never be able to change. The ratio is one to one. The death rate is 100%. 100%. And here's what the writer of Hebrews said. It is appointed... People are destined to die once and after that face judgment. People are destined to die once and after that face judgment. So what the scripture tells us is there is life, there is death, and there is afterlife. The afterlife in the words of Scripture, begins with judgment. That should be sobering. The afterlife begins with judgment where we are held accountable for what we believed about Jesus and for what we did with and for Jesus. We are held accountable for what we believed about Jesus and for what we did with and for Jesus. Now, in this series, we're going to explore the afterlife from the Christian perspective. In other words, what does God teach us? And according to the teaching of Scripture, there are two possibilities for our eternal existence after judgment. It's appointed once for man to die and then face judgment, and then what? What? Two possibilities. There's eternity in heaven, and there is eternity in hell. Those are the basics. But listen, the Scripture has so much more. By the way, it has so much to teach us about those two. But it has so much more to say about the afterlife. For instance, somehow our experience in the afterlife will be impacted by rewards and punishments. How's that going to work? There, there are things about that that we must understand because it gives us wisdom for living in the here and now. So, so, we're going to explore all of that. But today, we're going to start the first of what I think is going to be two talks about heaven. Okay, and, and to begin with, we need to understand that when we talk about heaven, some of the misperceptions about heaven come from the fact that we're actually talking about one heaven when the Scripture reveals there are two, at least two. Now, don't get nervous. I'm going to unpack all of that for us today, okay? We, when we talk about heaven, and we come here and we celebrate a life well lived and we say they're in heaven... We call heaven the place we go the moment we die if we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Heaven is the place you go the moment you die if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Why heaven? Because it's where Jesus is. It's where the heavenly father has always dwelled. Now this perspective is scripturally responsible. Do you remember the dialogue between Jesus and the two criminals as all three of them died on their respective crosses? I want you to listen to what was said in Luke chapter 23. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Revelation later that I'm going to ask you to turn to. But I want you to listen to this dialogue between Jesus and the two thieves. One of the criminals, this is Luke 23, 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are being punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, one of the criminals rejected Jesus. And one of them saw him for exactly who he was and asked him for mercy. And Jesus' response was, today. Right now, in a few minutes. You will be with me in paradise. That response is telling. Because it confirms one of our core convictions Okay, when we die, we say we go to heaven to be with Jesus. Okay, that's the most important thing, being with Jesus. The repentant thief wanted to be with Jesus. He saw how the other guy was acting, and he saw that Jesus was dying without bitterness or hatred. He was actually dying and forgiving those who were crucifying him. And he said, the other thief said, you know what, I want to be with that guy. I want to be with Jesus, but there's something different about him. And that's the heart's desire of every believer. So when we stop and think about a life well lived that has passed on, we say, they're in heaven with Jesus. Paul was writing about that in his letter to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, he wrote, Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. What, what does, what, what's he talking about? Here on earth, in the flesh, we are away from the Lord. We are not continually in his presence. And in that state, we have to live by faith, not by sight. We, we can't see and touch the transcendent God. There's a spirit realm that we're living in by faith. And in that realm, we are always striving for something that is beyond our grasp. But we do that because we are confident of one thing. When we are absent from the body, we are ultimately going to be present with the Lord. As a matter of fact, Paul says this is the preferred state to be with Jesus, just like the thief on the cross. I want to go where you're going. And when we think of believers dying, this is what we talk about when we say they are in heaven. They are with Jesus. But let me ask you a question. Do you think there's something to the fact that Jesus didn't say, today you will be with me in heaven? You think there's something to the fact that he said, today you will be with me in paradise? Why didn't he say heaven? That's what we would have said. Well, technically, where we go when we die is going to be different from where we end up after the second coming of Christ, okay? Now, this is where we're getting down into the weeds of it all right here, okay? So I just want you to understand Work with me here. Where we go when we die prior to the second coming of Christ is different from where we're going to end up with Christ. But listen, the most important thing is all the while we're going to be with God. That's the most important thing. But since we're talking about what the Bible teaches, we, I think we need to get this straight so that when, when we explore the wonders of heaven next week, we're all going to be on the same page and we're going to understand what the Scripture is talking about. Now, I want you to go back to something I said earlier when I was talking about the, the way that uh, people communicate heaven. First... If you remember, I use the example of someone floating on a cloud, reading a magazine. And then the example of someone climbing rocks or hitting golf balls. Now, those are two very different images because the former, floating on the clouds, presents us as disembodied souls. Okay, now you're going to to sit up straight and like drink a cup of coffee. Do something. Work with me. Stay with me. On the clouds, disembodied souls. Climbing rocks, catching fish, physical reality. See the difference? In one state, we are communicating that souls are disembodied from the flesh. In another state, we are communicating that the flesh is with the soul. Which one is right? They both are. They both are. The Scripture teaches us that when Christians die prior to the second coming of Jesus, the soul moves into a temporarily embodied state, a temporary disembodied state. Remember what Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is what happens. This is our state of being in what Jesus referred to as paradise. Remember this day, when you die today, you will be with me in paradise. But it is a temporary place it's not purgatory okay um, we're not talking about purgatory here where, where we're awaiting our fate and trying to improve our lot but it is a temporary place of bliss where our souls reside in the presence of God then when Christ returns our bodies are resurrected just like Jesus was to rejoin our souls when Jesus comes back, our bodies are resurrected to rejoin our souls. Listen to what Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 and 17. Now, let me just give a disclaimer here. I'm not, we're not going to the end times talk, okay? We're talking about heaven today and how that works out in our lives. So I, I'm sure somebody's going to want to talk about when Jesus comes back. That's not what we're talking about. I'm on heaven, okay? Listen to what Paul wrote. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left, who are on earth until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Who are the people that have fallen asleep? Those are people who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever, all of us, those who are asleep and those who are alive when he comes back. So at the time of his second coming, all believers will be with the Lord in our resurrected state. But, but he, listen, here's the interesting thing that happens. After that point, I don't know if it's right after that point, but after that point, the Lord makes all things new. As a matter of fact, there is a new heaven and a new earth. Did you know that? A new heaven and a new earth. The old heaven is replaced by a new heaven. Now, why would that be? Well, because the the people that are populating it move from a disembodied soul. They are reconnected, rejoined with their resurrected bodies. Now, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 21. It's the next to the last chapter in the Bible. Revelation chapter 21 And we're going to read, beginning in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, that's Jesus, said, I, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Here, here's the trustworthy truth from God's word. When the end comes, the ultimate end comes, Everything is going to be different. Everything is going to be different. The heaven that we will live in, the new heaven, that we will live in in our resurrected bodies, the one where the old order of things has completely passed, that new heaven is going to be right here on this new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. The new heaven is going to come down out of the sky and like a bride and a groom are made one. That's what he was saying. Like a bride and groom are made one. Heaven and earth will be made one. God's dwelling place will be here with people forever. His presence will mean the end of tears, death, mourning, crying, and pain. The physical life we lead then will be lived unimaginably, in the absence of the pain we experience now. Next week, we're, we're going to talk about the impact, the wonder of it all. But, but here's what we need to understand today. If we decide, if we die before the second coming of Jesus, our souls are temporarily disembodied and we go to live with Jesus, to stay with Jesus and God in the place he referred to as paradise from the cross. And at that moment, our forever journey with God begins. We're never going to leave his presence. Then, when Jesus comes back to rid the world of evil forever... Our bodies are going to be resurrected and reconnected with our souls. And when we join God and Jesus on the new earth, in the new heaven, in our resurrected state, we will enjoy a physical existence with God forever. Forever. And I don't know if we're going to be climbing rocks or catching fish. I don't know. You know why? It's not going to matter. And here's why it could be that we have a worship service for eternity. Because in heaven, what we're going to realize is true love. And our desire is going to be for God. And anything that makes you happy or gives you peace here and now, that's just a foretaste, just a little bitty taste of what's to come when we are with God in heaven for eternity now before that judgment before that judgment it's appointed once for man to die And after that, face judgment. What are we going to be judged for? What did you do with Jesus? It's the the, the question Pilate asked the religious leaders when he was about to crucify Jesus. He said, what what should I do with Jesus? We are faced with the same question. What should you do with Jesus? Jesus. Jesus is the way to eternal life with God in heaven. I know there there are lots of groups that want to say, hey, there's all kinds of different ways. Look, either you believe the Christian truth Revealed by God in scripture or you don't so we don't have the option of changing it We have to have integrity about who we are What we believe based on God's revealed truth and here's the truth After death there's life there's death there's judgment After life begins with judgment And that judgment is based on what you did with Jesus. Have you placed your faith and trust in him? Do you understand that he's the one who built the bridge to get you into God's presence for eternity? The only bridge. There's no other name in heaven or on earth by which men are saved than Jesus. No other way. So what have you done with Jesus? Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we're, we're thankful that your word is so faithful to... Um, remind us of the importance of considering our destiny and we're also thankful Lord that Jesus stepped out of eternity and into time to make a way for us to spend our forever after with you Lord if there are people in this room or watching online that have never placed their faith in Jesus I pray, Lord, that today by your spirit, you would convict and convince them of our reality, life, death and judgment. And Lord, we're thankful that when we come to judgment, that you're on your mercy seat. And by your mercy, you have given us a way to join you forever. And that way is Jesus. So if you're thinking about heaven and the afterlife for the first time, you, you need to understand the most important thing you could do is place your faith in Jesus who made the way for us to get to heaven. Do you believe? And if you believe... then I want you to understand that what you do with Jesus, how you serve Him, how you promote His cause, is also going to be a part of the evaluation. Have you made Him Lord? Father, Thank you for the truth of your word. I pray, Lord, for those who may not believe that you would give them a vision of their destiny today. That you would well up within them a desire for heaven, for your presence. And Lord, lead them to place their faith in the way, in Jesus. And Father, may we live in honor of the gift of eternal life in your presence. It's in the strong name of Jesus I pray. Amen.